0: All right. Welcome to You Talking With Greg. I'm here with Brendan Graham Dempsey. I am super excited. Brendan is back. Uh he was on episode 50, uh, where we did a tour a meta modern spirituality. Um, and I gotta say, folks, I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since we scheduled it. I was looking forward to it before then, because we're gonna talk about Brendan's book, Meta Modern, uh, The Cultural Logic of Cultural Logics. And uh Brendan me this book. Um, and I was like, I know a fair amount about metamodernism and, you know, I have a sense, Brendan and I have talked to hell of a lot. I have a sense about where he's coming from, so I'll skim it, okay, um, and and be like, hey, yeah, cool. That's not what happened, okay. I opened this book, I saw the table of confidence, I read the preface, and I read every goddamn sentence that followed, <laughs> okay. And that is not common for me these days. You usually get a get you know, especially you usually get halfway in then run to the back. This is a great book from my vantage point. Um, and so I just want everybody to know that. Uh it moved me. I love the gestalt of it. I love the parts of it. I love the way it was woven together. And I think it is the best damn statement on metamodernism that I've come across. So, Brendan, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, and thanks for that awesome uh review. And yeah, um I'm excited to dive in and uh, appreciate. uh, I'm glad you like the book. And yeah, let's uh, let's Let's get into the meat of it. Yeah.
0: All right. So, yeah. Tell me, you've been writing a lot. Uh, My understanding was that you were working on something like the meaning of meaning. I think we (laughs) talked about that with John. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I also did this book. You had done emergentism. Of course, you are an author and accomplished one at that. But tell us about kind of where this book came from.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, uh, uh, writing this long book. I'm calling it the tome at the moment, just cause it's the sprawling thing. And I'd gotten about 500 pages into that. And, um, and then I was just realizing more and more with a lot of the conversations I was seeing about metamodernism online and other places that just, there was, um, there was just this gap. There wasn't anything that, that could allow people to kind of a broad overview of this topic. And, um, it seemed like there was a lot of, um, confusion, um, That, you know, it's just sort of basic stuff made sense that like people might be associating this term with certain things, but then missing out on all this other stuff that it related to. Um I also a while ago did a poll on the Metamodern Spirituality group just saying like what do you think would be like the most valuable uh, helpful book at the moment and uh, listed some options and by far the 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 winner of that was a book on metamodernism that kind of synthesized the different um strands of the conversation and provided sort of some uh, introduction to it so I was like ah, okay so at a certain point I'm just like someone's got to write this book so I'll do it so I kind of put that other book on hold mm-hmm. and um yeah, to spend about four weeks writing this thing, um, you know, I've been sort of immersed in this uh, discourse for a while. So it was just a matter mostly of kind of getting it all out on the page. And it was also helpful for me to kind of, you know, clarify my own ideas around some of what, you know, kind of bridges everything together. Um, but so I kind of just put that out there and, and felt good about it. And I thought hopefully this will be um, yeah helpful for people. And um, it certainly, uh, you know, caused a bit of a stir already, and people are oh. kind of digesting it a bit. And, uh, oh. and uh, so we can talk about some of that. But um, yeah, that was sort of the the genesis for it. And it's, it's largely to kind of fill a gap in the literature um, that this discourse has been around for about 10 years now in some form or another. And uh, there's still no kind of intro to metamodernism book. Um, there's also kind of Yeah, uh, a way in which some of the ideas, some people just will be talking past each other because they'll be using different conceptions and just not be familiar with the the whole breadth of the uh, the conversation. So I thought this would be a service to the community and to the whole kind of uh, discourse in general to have something like this out there.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Well, I mean, we'll get into this, uh, but this thing, uh, you delineate uh, core themes. um, We'll go by chapter by chapter. Um, and I, I love this because, um, you know, I got pulled into this thing, uh, in 2011, I call my unified theory book at the, a post postmodern grand meta narrative. That's what I called it. Um, and the other thing that happened to me in relationship to the sensibility, um, is I was one day, uh, you know, I de- developed the garden in 2016 and then I'm in this, um, structure and I'm, I have no idea that I'm like in a sensibility at all, really. Um, and then I learn about the metamodern and then I learned sincere irony as both as a genre, as a sensibility, as an artistic movement. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what that thing is. <laughs> that's what that is. Um, so one of the things I'm going to be uh, celebrating here uh, as we go through this is my own reflection on my conceptual organization. OK, um, my own experience of the different genres the sense that they can be, that they're separate, but also can be woven together to see a whole and damn if this book doesn't do that. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so that's the the thing. And I, I also want to start um, the other thing I found to be brilliant is the subtitle. <laughs> okay? And I, you yeah. probably know why I have a deep appreciation for the subtitle. Um, but you know, uh, so I, my first question to you is, can you say a bit about the subtitle um, and sure. uh, where that came
1: from? Yeah. So there's a book called Postmodernism or The Cultural Logic of Late Capitalism. And this is a book that uh, it's a pretty kind of, you know, kind of classic talking about uh, postmodernism uh, it's by uh, Frederick Jameson. And it's a lengthy book that kind of just offers an interpretation of, you know, what by then had already been sort of a, a discourse that was around for a bit. and um, And so it's kind of a classic for, for talking about this uh, whole thing as a cultural logic. He uses that phrase and uh, you know, he's coming from his own tradition, more rooted in sort of like economic Marxian takes and interpretations and things. But, um, but just that idea of cultural logic uh, is actually gets picked up by the um, metamodern early theorists and uh, you know, get a lot of mileage for trying to frame metamodernism as a cultural logic. Um, And so it seemed that uh in trying to articulate something of this sort of meta move that it had a, a a nice sort of um a kind of sincerely ironic nod to both that old classic work um but also uh kind of captures something of this recursive element of a cultural logic of cultural logics and um i play with a little bit of some of that uh in the book and just in the writing style of it um and uh and it's not just all play either it is trying to capture something important about what i think this is all about which is this sort of meta awareness and a recursive awareness of cultural logics and that meta-modernism seems to be uh, a cultural logic that is uh, explicitly dealing with these different uh wh- whatever you want to call them modes of being sensibilities structures of feeling etc and uh, orients them in some way so i don't know it seemed like a nice way to kind of wrap all that up into kind of a pithy little uh uh, subtitle.
0: Well, okay, so this is where the resonance starts for me. Okay, and then we can go into the opening and preface, and uh, you know what the essence of sort of what you define the essence of better modernism is, uh, and I, and I certainly feel this in you know just experientially. So here's my connection to it, which I I know you'll have a sense of, um, but I'll just say it. So as people know, the real root of the unified theory in 1996 is this idea of justification. Um, uh, and and then this this idea that, oh my God, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, propositional language and question answer answer dynamics actually give rise to the problem of justification. And a lot of what gets built at the level of human into personhood consciousness is a function of this justification dynamic. And really, what you can what the experience is, and this is why I love your subtitle so much. The experience of me was I was inside this epistemological, socially constructed narrative, and I was an appreciative of both philosophy and the postmodern critique of all of this. But the justification at that time, theory, hypothesis, then systems theory, shifts the angle and turns the embeddedness of our epistemological conundrums and what we do and then the relativism into, oh... That's the ontology (laughs) of what it is that we're doing. Um, That's the logic of our epistemology, right? Um, And and now, my God, I now know that I'm doing this. And indeed, of course, Utah itself will be very much framed as a branch of justification and a flowering systems of justification. Um, So I I found that to be enormously um, uh, uh, similar to some of the stuff that I was doing. And then I also found the sentiment. Right on target. And I just think it's a beautifully recursive capture. Right. And I just really recur I would encourage all of us, those of us that are celebrating this book. And maybe we'll get into some people that are critiquing. Right. Uh, the cultural logic of our, you know, and you talk will give us our word of justification. You can find other words, um, but whatever. Um, here we are uh, doing that thing. Uh, and I I love the way you captured it in the subtitle. So
1: yeah, and I mean, well, I'm sure we'll get into this uh, as we go through the chapters and talk about the meta narrative chapter, which uh, largely focuses on on your work and justification systems, and so folds that in. But that is it. It's sort of like there's um there's this move that happens when you're you're sort of um like in your case you're you start theorizing about justification systems and then you realize that that itself is an instantiation of a justification system so you get this kind of recursive loop and similarly i see this kind of being a dynamic you can you can uh be aware of in, in culture more broadly at the moment of sort of like as we reflect on a thing we have to kind of wind up situating ourselves in that thing that we're reflecting on and then this sort of kind of forces this uh kind of broader uh meta move on the whole thing um and so that that plays kind of a key that's sort of a leitmotif i guess you could say of oh. what i see happening in all these different metamodernisms uh yours uh, you know your contributions included yeah totally and
0: in fact that's where we start right the book basically after the preface opens up uh on what you would say or at least that's what i at least the, the opening frame and salvo and orienting is this sort of self-recursive positioning uh of our of our knowledge in relation
1: yeah so uh, yeah so uh, in structuring this right it was sort of like um you know what are the through lines? What are the leitmotifs? And so the first chapter sort of just tries to set up a kind of template and a set of ideas that once you have them, you can kind of see them recur <laughs> again. And again, in these different, uh, articulations of, of, of metamodernism. And, um, and so, uh, you know, and there's a whole other level, which would be too much to get into now, but there is a kind of meta meta level where it's like, you know, I'm kind of aware of the fact that like, um, uh, how would I say like, uh, to do the kind of project that I have to do, I have to use these terms and set things up in a certain way. And so, uh, but we don't have to get into that, but uh, I'll just say that uh, having a kind of template like this is helpful uh, for then being able to track these different dynamics into um, yeah, like uh, different versions of this meta modern conversation and uh, eternal recursion is one of the key kind of notions there. So um, I'm, I'm kind of, Uh, In a little nod to Nietzsche of eternal recurrence, but in a different way, talking about this notion that there's this there's this process at work um, in in society where we reflect upon, uh, you know, we could just say reflect on our justification systems, essentially, and then basically wind up creating justification systems that include our prior justification systems and create sort of second order justifications that are built on those it would be a kind of talk framing of the idea. Um, and then you can look at this and kind of see how over, you know, the, the development of things like uh, modernity and post-modernity and now meta-modernity, how these things kind of keep folding themselves in. Um, so yeah, the whole first chapter kind of sets out some basic ideas and um, that are largely based on that. Uh, what I was going to say was that, on this whole like kind of meta-awareness aspect is that all these kind of meta-modern interventions or or, uh, people putting out their ideas about what meta-modernism is, almost everyone begins by saying, all right, well, why is it called meta modernism?" And then they've mm-hmm. got to justify using meta as a, as a prefix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of kind of the literature does some version of that. So I was doing a version of that. I'm just going to be like, I'll just come out and call it the meta of meta abstract, you know, reflection, basically of, uh, re- of reflexive abstraction, which when you think about someone talking about, oh, that show is really meta or, you know, that's mm-hmm. really, that's so meta, whatever. That's, that's a move that's become very familiar, uh, to to folks. But it, it was kind of interesting because um no one necessarily picked up on that aspect in any of the existing meta modern frameworks and just right. kind of explicitly said it. Uh, Jason Storm to some degree does talk about kind of a second order thing and we can talk about that but just you know framing it that way I think just kind of helps people get their bearings a bit of like when we're talking about this uh, and you, then using that as sort of a touchstone um, I think it, it helps people get the sense of oh okay there's this kind of recursive you know remove going on and then reflecting on things um, so anyway yeah the whole first chapter is just trying to lay that idea out and get people kind of intuitive sense of that and then track that through these different right kind of so let's, uh,
0: and, and that to me this is a it's a great way to, to sort of start so we're going to basically be recursively self aware all right so um and then i that's going to be that's that plays a very nice role in the evolution of sort of traditional thinking to scientific thinking trying to get aware in a particular sort of way and then aware of that critique and then aware of us as justifying in in a mm-hmm. particular way mm-hmm. and then to me what you're doing is you're you're basic you're explicitly now labeling this dimension and and uh, a couple of days ago um, I was developing a, a blog getting into some of the Iquad shit, and I watched, a, I don't know, three hours on the el- evolution of I, the imaginary mm. number. Um, oh, cool. Uh, and 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 what it is and why Gauss and other people thought that was a horrible name It's actually a lateral concept that twirls around uh, the mm. concepts in a particular kind of way. Um, and actually, I thought of your concept of me- basically – label seeing and labeling this dimension in relations mm. like we're gonna and that's not going to cause it to then actually it's like no they're going to meta 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 but it's like mm. okay no here and in fact you can't do imaginary on imaginary the nature of the mm. relation is like it's not we're not going to find a whole nother imaginary mm-hmm. thing it loops back around itself when you capture this thing mm-hmm. um and so anyway that was uh i had that association of you you delineate we are coming aware of this sort of like imaginal, imaginary dimension, we're going to place ourselves in it, we'll see this all the way to its, you know, but actually it's going to loop back around and not cause us to go insane, um, mm. you know, it, but it's going to be contained and it's going to be a crucial part of the equation. Um, mm. And I do think the sensibility of what meta-modern is relative to postmodern is very much along those lines. And I think you set that up with a very, very, I, I think you nailed the nexus of it um, in, the, in the opening chapter.
1: Thanks. That's a really cool connection. Actually, I hadn't made that myself. But yes, the the way that that, um, you know, it's it's so it for me, I, it's kind of like a um, positive negative number sort of a thing, right, where you you multiply them by themselves, and then you get you kind of negate what they were. So if you multiply a negative by a negative, you get a positive, right? It's not you just get all these infinite dimensions of negativity or something. So there is kind of a, a circularity and a kind of, uh, you know, closed loopness to it that um, that also pertains to to I. And uh, I think that is important because like one of the arguments that I try to make, right, is that like carrying reflection further doesn't necessarily just lead to infinite reflection. It, it leads to the ability to reflect on maybe there's not a need for reflecting, uh, at so many levels at the moment. Right. And, and, and being able to sort of toggle it appropriately through the, the rec, you know, the different levels of reflection. So, um, it, you know, it's an interesting kind of theoretical question of like, well, won't this just go on infinitely or what have you. And, um, you know, culture to some degree, I think it's an interesting idea. Like as, as, as culture continues to, uh, to unfold, um, you know, Yes, of course, we are going to get a reflection on metamodernism, et cetera, and then kind of keep going in that sense. But um, yeah, I think you're capturing something important, which is that once you name this dynamic, it doesn't lead you into this infinite hall of mirrors. Uh, it, it, it 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 can actually then begin to explain some of the kind of simplicity uh, and the the kind of non reflective stances that we see intentionally, um, you know, enacted in in meta modern art, for example, and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a cool connection
0: yeah uh so that was my that's so anyway yeah the point is that this captures and sort of caps off a particular angle and of course culture is an infinite game to use karst's term we're going to be you know this is not um the the end i don't think any of us are like oh this is the end Mm. of uh, cultural consciousness or justification or anything along these lines that would be absurd but it filled a particular gap and then you framed it in a particular way that i thought uh, and yes i would that's why i'm trying to say, hey, actually, I think it's kind of like imaginary numbers and they loop, you know, just to make it simple, and I'm not a mathematician, but they loop essentially back around and there's not going to be a infinite regressive, uh, a whole bunch of different in- infinite dimensions of imaginary-like numbers. Mm-hmm. This is not an infinite dimensions of meta, but this is creating a particular frame on the dimension of self-recursive awareness. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to say about it is that it, it a- angles us on the nature of the evolution of meaning and we'll come back to that and the and development so that as you basically are like okay to advance to the next stage you need to include the stage before um and it doesn't necessarily need us to get into you know a, a belief of spiral dynamics but i think it affords us a clarity about evolution and learning and development and what has to come before to what then sets the stage for what comes after
1: yeah, exactly. And that's well said. And and I've been struggling in, uh, in some of these conversations around metamodernism because, again, some people will tend to elide or conflate it with certain uh, other uh, models, integral theory, spiral dynamics, whatever. They'll just say, oh, that's what this is. And it's like, well, no. Uh, At the same time, then you'll get other people being like, no, metamodernism has absolutely nothing to do with any kind of progressive, uh, you know, uh, or uh, complexification or development or anything like that. And I say, well, no, that's not quite right either if we if we understand, you know, the kind of deeper structural currents under here. And so, again maybe naively my, my attempt with this book is to try to bring some of these different ways of seeing this discourse together and to be kind of showing them, you know, uh, it's not as simple as either of those sort of, uh, uh, well, you know, reductionistic, you know, either or situations. Um, and so there is something, uh, what, you know, what, well, one what word one wants to use is is kind of will depend on the different kind of camps one comes from. But uh, you know, uh, even in uh, the kind of aesthetic framing of metamodernism, there's this notion that there's some kind of idea of progress and history that returns. Um, but it's not this sort of absolutistic Hegelian, you know, absolute um. Uh, kind of culmination of things or what have you. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of way of, of bringing together these different ideas in a manner that, yeah, it doesn't have to be antagonistic or, um, or particularly kind of, you know, use language that has a lot of baggage to it. Because mm-hmm. some people lean very heavily into like, psychological framings of development and i personally find a lot of that to be really interesting and there's a lot of um kind of room for academic and intellectual exploration there that i think has yet to be done so i'm excited about that but i can also see why like people looking mainly at art and stuff are sort of like i don't know what stage or level of complexity or whatever i'm just seeing these patterns here and um and yet at the same time, right, there is something deeply kind of advancing and uh, uh, sort of sequential about uh, cultural changes and, and developments. And to presume that, the, you know, that metamodernism is somehow moving beyond postmodernism, but in a way that uh, is just like a total lateral move doesn't really make sense either, because it has to somehow incorporate the insights of postmodernism for it to be post postmodern. So all these things are implicit in a, you know, kind of uh Yeah, there, you know, in the discourse, and I just wanted to find some language that I felt like could be common language for these different uh, discourses, different strands to come together and be able to speak about it, so that it didn't alien have to alienate, you know, uh, like some demographic or group depending on what uh, you know words we're using for this kind of thing. Well, for
0: me, yeah, that's that's uh, so I knew that there were sort of this cluster, you know, uh, of different domains that sort of spoke overlapping, but but also uh, disparate languages. And, and it was confusing mm. you know, or, you know, um, and obviously I'm steeped in you talk and that's where my world is. And I then <laughs> you know, touch base with other worlds, but that's where my world is. So I'm like, okay, I'm not the most cultured fellow. Uh, and then one meaning of the word. And then, uh, th- but what this book does uh, and I like to think that it has some parallels with what I did in psychology uh, so what I'm doing in psychology as at least as I'm building uh you know my more early focus on psychology is like there's all these different parts you know in schools and they talk mm-hmm. at each other and they but it, and, and if you're inside of it you don't really know is there a perspective that you can get that sees, both the, the uniqueness and the, ele- and the elements, but is there a gestalt that affords a weave? You know, this is the elephant, um, or are there different mountains and a landscape? Um, and, and here, what this book does, what I saw it does, it delineates, and we, I, let's get into aesthetics in a second, but I'll just list mm-hmm. After we frame this as 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 the core element of a certain certain kind of recursivity, self-aware recursivity, we're going to look then at aesthetics and its development. There, we're going to look at complexity science. We're going to look at philosophy and meta narrative, and then we're Mm -hmm. going to land on this idea that as we zoom further back, we can frame how people see themselves in the world ultimately and and then what this is is this is the different shades of these things zoom ultimately back so uh, that's where the book walks us through Um, i thought that it it laid out both the territory and did justice to the territory and then put the pieces of the territory in together that gave me at least a really clear and helpful gestalt
1: thanks yeah and that that was really the the goal and yeah i mean in some ways you know your efforts to unify the field of psychology are you know you know, comparable to the sort of, of of move I'm trying to do here by attempting to unify this field of metamodernism, which isn't to say these are all saying the same thing. It's to try to situate them as different meaningful parts of that gestalt, right? Um, so you, like when you come out with talk, you're not saying, ah, and see, and so everything ultimately is just behavioralism or Freudianism or something. It's like, well, no, we can put these parts in a a, a kind of a frame together and see how they relate to each other. We can also see how they meaningfully differ. And, and of course there'll also be things that any given, perspective if it is trying to sort of say it is the sum totality of everything it might be very wrong in saying certain kinds of claims like that so it's not to also say that everything that all of these things are saying is right either it's just seeing that how they might fold together into kind of a a unified a unified theory of metamodernism or something um but uh but that is still again one that tries to be um you know sensitive to the fact that these are are still different strands of a discourse. Um, I don't know. For me, it's just kind of infuriating that we're all using this word. We're all talking about what to me seem like very overlapping sorts of phenomena. uh, And yet it's sort of like, why then feel like, oh, this has nothing to do with what I'm doing. And oh, we can't let this touch in any way my field. And uh, I just, I don't know, that sort of siloed tribalistic approach to this topic is like unnecessary and doesn't really do us uh, any good. So if this is something that's kind of coming online and as an emerging cultural zeitgeist, as a kind of uh philosophical kind of uh, next step, um, yeah. as, you know, a, a new way of even framing and thinking about cultural changes and developments, cool. then, you know, let's, um, let's, let's see if we can kind of have this conversation be framed as one big conversation with maybe some different pockets rather than just people talking past each other, basically. Right. And,
0: and there's nothing there, you know, uh, uh, continuity, similarity, part of a gestalt versus differentiation, clarity, identification of specifics. Those are, those aren't, uh, contradictory. You, you, you can, you know, you're mm. welcome to, you know, so if we go into the aesthetics chapter, you know, if, if there's m- and movements and aesthetics, um, that doesn't mean. And and I'm in meta narrative, and I'm Utah's part of meta narrative, and well, I don't like this move in aesthetics. That, that that's okay. <laughs> I don't need a there's no threat here, mm, right? right. At, at that level of differentiation, um, you know how it all fits together, and whether I want to be a part of this group um, ultimately is a kind is a potential question. But to me, uh, at least the way I saw it, the, the capacity for a gestalt relative to differentiating parts was held very clearly in the way you laid it out. So there wouldn't be, um, I guess well, I'd be surprised if, if there were a lot of like, oh gosh, I need more differentiation or I need more control or things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's always touchy because some of these things are fields where people are doing a particular project and they're partic- They're interested in a particular thing, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're in academia and you want to talk about this new show that came out and you want to use a metamodern rubric to talk about that show and you can write a paper on it. And, you know, like that's, that's a whole thing. That's great. That's good stuff. But then at the same time, if someone's talking about post postmodern philosophy and they're trying to get into issues around you know, semiotics and stuff, and they're also using a word like metamodernism, these two people, you know, might be like, well, wait a second, how, you know, are we, are we having the same conversation here? But, and so like you do in a lot of your work, if you can get above that and see how these things relate, then a lot of that can be hopefully kind of resolved while being respectful of the fact that, yeah, these are different conversations uh, within a broader one. And at the same time, I would just posit that like, Uh, It's up for the readers to determine whether or not this is a success, right? If these are radically different conversations Mm -hmm. and they have nothing to do with each other, then this book that I've written should just be an utter failure because it's so (laughs) obvious that these things have nothing to do with each other. But at the same time, if you read the book and you're like, oh, yeah, that actually does seem to all kind of cohere together in a meaningful way, then... That's the case I'm just trying to make. So it's up for people to decide if they find it convincing or not. Um, Yeah.
0: Lovely. Yeah. No, fair enough. uh, Across all levels. Why don't we talk a little bit about aesthetics? Um, uh, So in that chapter, we're basically – is it fair to say that sort of uh, at least some of the earliest terms and sensibilities of better modern pops up in the context uh, of aesthetics?
1: Yeah, um, so kind of the the word really emerges in cultural studies. And, um, and there had been already this kind of ongoing conversation around the decline of postmodernism. Uh, postmodernism itself is a very broad term, right? So you can talk about postmodern architecture, but you could also talk about postmodern theory and postmodern philosophy and all sorts of things, right? So uh, metamodernism is a similar category, but there is certainly a thing called postmodern art and it has a kind of rubric and certain kind of, uh, characteristics that people have over the years identified, cynical, uh, kind of self-referential, uh, you know, uh, very ironic, et cetera, et cetera. And there had been a heyday of that stuff for a while, uh, especially kind of peaking in the nineties, uh, early nineties, you know, and then. We started seeing different things that didn't really match that anymore, and uh, people were like, "Well, what do we what do we call this?" So one of the earliest ways that this shows up on the scene is, yeah, uh, you know, people just trying to give a name to the new characteristics uh, of of art that are showing up and uh, and trying to make sense of it, and um, there are some kind of different attempts to. Th- you know, formulate some ideas about what comes after postmodernism, at least as kind of an artistic period. Sure. Uh, and that's where metamodernism really shows up and gets going uh, in earnest is in 2010, with this paper by these uh, two Dutch cultural theorists, um, named Tim Verwenlen and Robin van Donaker. Mm-hmm. And they do this thing called notes on metamodernism. And they seem to kind of hit on something that really worked um, in a way that some of the other formulations uh, of post-postmodernism didn't, uh-huh. and uh, and so yeah, they they saw this dynamic of this new kind of art seems to be moving back and forth between some of that postmodern cynicism and irony, and then into this other kind of more typically modern kind of uh, uh, sincerity and kind of enthusiasm and, and mm-hmm. utopianism. And so they kind of defined, you know, they recognized this characteristic and they refer to this dynamic as an oscillation back and forth. And it really jumpstarted this whole new way of then being able to analyze art that before was sort of like, well, you know, A Wes Anderson movie or a Ted Lasso or something comes out and you're like, well, that's not postmodern. This doesn't ring to me like a Radiohead or, or, you know, like uh, some kind of South Park send up or something. So that's where metamodernism really gets going as a kind of uh, paradigm to, you know, uh, to talk about culture. And to be fair, also, it's not purely limited to art either. I mean, the cultural studies folks they would try to make the case that um you see metamodern shifts happening all over the place in culture including okay. politics uh, including um i don't know uh, various kinds of new uh, economic and institutional things as well so um it is a cultural studies approach though and um yeah that's just kind of an initial framing that uh, that that does a lot of work um and and so for me though um now did you know, they did what-
0: they coin the term sincere irony were those the yeah.
1: yeah, they they coined uh, you know, a couple of these characteristics, sincere irony, pragmatic idealism, uh informed naivete as sort of the some of the chief uh and they work really well. I mean, it's great. It's a very helpful rubric to to look at things and be able to be like, Oh yeah, like this is this modern sensibility that's very different from that older postmodern thing. So um you know, then it's just a question at that point of like, is that all this is? And Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to say, well, maybe art's just the tip of the iceberg. Maybe this is much deeper cultural structural roots. Um, and then that's where you start getting into the theory, uh, about what we're really talking about and what is all this stuff. But maybe if we're going to stick on aesthetics for a second, I'll hold off on getting into some of that stuff.
0: Well, I think that's a, yeah, I mean, I think that's a nice setup and we can, the next chapter is on complexity, but let me be, uh, I'll say in terms of some of the parallel, in fact, I was just on, so, um, I'm in, uh, a number of different sort of, and I, although less involved, uh, during my career, I've gotten involved in a number of different psychology domains. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I enter into them. One of them is uh, division 24 the, and that's uh, the theoretical and philosophical, uh, division, um, which originally was, um, more uh, connected to, I think, the modern view back then, but pretty quickly, and by the eighties into nineties, um, had then basically been taken over by the postmodern critical view. So that its identity mm-hmm. of theoretical philosophical psychology essentially was a poststructural, postmodern crit- critique of the neoliberal mm-hmm. uh, empirical modernist view. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and I was just on a conversation. And it still is that. And I I was, I then am able to recognize my own tension with that, with that system where I'm like, yes, there's issues of power. Yes, there's issues of context. Yes, this idea of some absolute liberal deal of truth and power and what is empirical and all those are require critique. And however, where does that ultimately get you as it's a critical deconstructive view that. Is ultimately vulnerable to chaos, meaning it's sort of critiquing an uh, an undeserved hegemonic order uh, and deconstructing it. But ultimately, when are you going to get reorganized to construct? And the reason mm-hmm. I bring that up, and I, I then said that, in fact, I, I'm in the midst still of an ongoing conversation, a revived conversation on the list that I hadn't been there for a while. And several people sort of chimed in and said, yeah, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> in other words, mm-hmm. there's a fatigue in the theory, or at least potentially, mm-hmm. we'll see. But a number of people are like, haven't we done this enough, right? And, mm-hmm. and is there another dialectical side for us to be progressing, growing, uh, and so I think it's an interesting point. The reason I'm bringing it up is that sort of in a theoretical philosophical structure, and we can go then we'll be moving more into those. We see that a dynamic parallel between yeah. sort of these opponent processes. And you can see it in the cultural sensibility, aesthetic sensibility. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating to be able to see it uh, in sort of these justificatory propositional analytic places as well. Um, mm. And I just share that not to say, why do I see all this stuff connected? Well. That seems like a pretty obvious, interesting connection to me.
1: Yeah, no, no. And and one thought that occurs to me that's kind of an interesting Utah connection here is, right, that like, you know, you've got justification systems, but in some ways they emerge out of and are built off of this sort of behavioral investment, you know, system, right? And so our emotions are, 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 are pegged, let's say to the same sorts of phenomena that we are making sense of through our justification systems. And those are kind of in dialogue with each other. So, you know, like if I say something that attacks your justification system, you're going to feel that it's like going to, it's going to have an emotional register and all that. Right. So there is this kind of, feeling element to this as well. And so if we're talking about aesthetic sensibilities, I think that's, there's a meaningful connection there where it's like, whether or not people have all the propositional understanding of, oh, you know, recursive reflection and all this stuff doesn't matter. It's like, you just get tired eventually with seeing, you know, for example, your superheroes deconstructed all the time. And you're like, okay, yep, seen this movie before, I'm, you know, now what, next please, right? And so there's a kind of just aesthetic manifestation of something that um, can have some deep propositional roots, but it can also just be felt very viscerally. And I think that a lot of the art stuff is kind of is kind of that. And and right. some people might, might they might experience it and not even make any of those connections that just, totally. it has a visceral connection to their lived experience. Totally. so and yeah. if,
0: I mean, we can put that at the core of our cognition if we take John uh, Verveke really quickly and basically like, well, Recursive relevance realization often can be framed as a dialectic between balancing order and chaos in the in the right criticality. Brett Anderson was on, and there's some series you were on, which uh, right after you, um, his whole presentation basically is our core architecture of consciousness is about finding the criticality between order and chaos. Uh, you could certainly look at the. You know, the postmodern critique as to deconstruct and chaotically reduce the order, mm. the, the excessive order and the imbalanced power order of modernity. And then mm. as that uh, gains dominance... You're like, okay, there, there isn't enough structure order. And so then the swing back even. And so, these, and so yes, more than at just a justificatory level, although I think there's dynamics there, The just at the age and arena relation, you can argue this criticality, uh, chaos order, uh, to find then the complex adaptive uh, sweet yeah. spot. And that does set us up to move into complexity in the next chapter, right?
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, just one thing I'll say really quickly about that is this interesting thing of like... Um, you know like you have a conversation and it's dynamic and you hear an idea and you've never heard it before and you're like oh wow like this has a lot of repercussions we have to really grapple with this deal with it etc and like that's that's great right and it can be critical it can be like an undermining of something you're like oh wow this changes everything um but then you have a number of those conversations and you have them in different places and cross different domains and the same basic point starts being made over and over and over again and eventually it doesn't have the aha feeling anymore it's like "Yeah, yeah yeah we get that and you know and it's going on over here and it's going on over here and what you do is you like see the structure of it you're like you 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 it's an object of thought now instead of like a whoa interesting it's like a oh we have a term for that now we know what that is and that's you know what everyone's talking about and yes so then you've moved from this moment of sort of reflection into like reification or making it something an object of thought and so a lot of these postmodern critiques were coming in and they initially landed as like ah wow interesting oh this you know but eventually it's sort of like oh yeah that's a post modern critique and blah 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 and like okay and now what you know what i mean so there's this natural process that moves through that is kind of part of how we um you know reflect on new information and try to update our justification systems etc um and yeah as you say like eventually then that's going to lead to um a kind of uh recalibration or a, a kind of you know an attempt to then fold that in in a meaningful way that can then be adaptive and, and 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 help you construct after that so anyway yep. yeah
0: yeah no i mean you know there are lots of different kinds of so there are two issues there or at least uh and one is sort of what are kind of opponent process in this case potentially between order and chaos and what's recursive development that as you learn what becomes essentially old news and then what is the novel uh space that then needs to be incorporated now that i've included this what becomes mm-hmm. the edge of transcending it um, mm-hmm. because then it's essentially, you know, once the pattern has been seen across a number of different elements, it gets blocked into the operating system, and then it's essentially old news. And then you're set to look for other possible things. And on mm-hmm. an opponent process thing, you generally want to then shift. If this has been emphasizing one side of that equation, uh usually the pull is then to emphasize the other side of the equation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said.
0: So uh and then so we move into complexity. Um and you want to say share a little yeah bit about yeah that i mean it's, it, it no
1: that. it's a it's a very natural uh, kind of segue because i mean all those dynamics we were just describing is like you know you're talking about complex systems and you're seeing you know a, a lot of this stuff un- underway you know this I- integration and differentiation leading you know so um so yeah uh, and the impetus for that chapter um i mean how would I say the reason, I guess, for calling it that right was that so you get this aesthetic um, conversation that appears after 2010 and really starts growing and, you know, is really moving around in the academia and in, in the academia, in academia, in the academy for for uh, some years. And people are doing that sort of stuff. And then in 2017, you get the publication of the Hansi Freinacht uh, book, um, Leni Rachel Anderson. Um, and uh, Thomas Bjorkman. And so there's this sort of new stuff that uh is using this term metamodernism, but uh, it's sort of uh framing the dynamics of cultural change in a in in a different way um and and it's doing different things with it. Um, and so uh, a lot of that is rooted in this sort of new uh, framework paradigm of uh complexity um And so what is that? So, um, you know, for example, Hansi Freinach's work is talking about the model of hierarchical complexity, and he's coming from uh, a tradition that's sort of informed by integral theory and by uh, Jurgen Habermas and other kinds of theorists who are looking at the way that the the mind uh, develops, which it and it does through a complexification process, uh, in tandem with culture uh, developing or complexifying. And so these things um, sort of uh, dynamically uh, feed back into each other. And, and that that's a crucial aspect of thinking about the sorts of things we were just talking about. Um, and, uh, and so this is sort of a, a new thing on the table, let's say that you don't find in the cultural studies uh, side of the conversation. It's just not, you know, so, and I'll say this too, and I think it's kind of important, which is that like when you dig deep into the like the structure, uh, the structural theory of like the 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 uh, cultural studies folks, um, it is kind of taking a, a their cue from Frederick Jameson, David Harvey, and and like a, a kind of brand of Marxist theory that if we're going to drill down, we're going to look at economic structures, uh, and you're going to get terms like like Jameson had that mm-hmm. postmodernism was the cultural logic of late capitalism. Mm-hmm. And those um that particular strand, that's kind of where they bottom out, as I understand it, in kind of their yep. deep theorizing of this, that metamodernism is just the cultural logic of a slightly later uh, stage of 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 capitalism. Um but this psychomimetic complexification developmental thing is, I think, a, a deeper and more interesting kind of. It, it goes another level further, let's say. And okay. so I, I mentioned Habermas, and he's kind of my connecting bridge between these yeah. because he picks up on some of the dialectical materialism, which is what that Marxian stuff is, and adds that whole psychological layer. And so does Wilbur, who picks it up from Habermas and so on. And so you get this really interesting uh, deepening of the theory, which is like, why do why do cultural Logics shift. Why do they change? Well, because of complexification. And complexification is itself a form of, you could say, recursive kind of uh, enfolding of older parts into new holes that then are building off of each other. And so um, again, uh, my attempt here was to kind of bridge these two, uh, uh, you know, discourse or these two strands of the discourse, um, by being like, oh, okay. So if we understand that this pattern that, you know, the complexity people are kind of putting out there, uh, as being related to a lot of the stuff we're seeing in the art stuff, what do we call this? And so I just tried to kind of fit those two things together. Um, and I think hopefully in a, in a compelling way. So the complexity stuff, um. It's just a, 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 a. I think of it as a digging deeper into like the really, uh, you know, going to the core of some of the dynamics of, uh, psychocultural transformation, um, and focusing less on individual works of art or this or that, and really trying to analyze, you know, the the motor of this sort of a thing. Um, and yeah, this will become important when we come back to the meta narrative issue and and in your work and and Bobby's work uh, and whatnot. But uh, but at least um, that's the kind of True line in the light motif yeah. there that I see.
0: Right. Uh, and I think that's exactly right in the sense that, um, you know, I connect with both Lenny and, uh, you know, Hansi as in Daniel uh, Gortz and, and you know, blog with them uh, both uh, because I felt that the um, So and I know Lenny is very concerned about sort of the. Um, the developmental argument uh, in relation, and and rightfully so at, at many levels, um, I mm-hmm. think you can overshoot the concern, um, you know, uh, and so this is a, a dialectic here in relation. Sure. Um, but if you want, from my vantage, especially this is true, this feels particularly true of a Sort of a modern Western vantage point. If you were to say to me, um, you want to just a really quick gestalt of the evolution of cultural sensibility/slash justification types, Mm. to say that we start in the oral indigenous phase, and the task there is to get us in community, you know, tribe community level, engaged in interactions in nature uh, to manifest a collective uh, in an animistic structure where we have felt relations across time and we create a shared relational world that's the the oral indigenous sensibilities and the belief value systems for that particular kind of world um, are there and if you look at tyson young Porter and he asks what are we trying to get back to we can share this There's a huge amount of wisdom there but there's a particular type of sensibility for a particular type of organization uh, mm-hmm. that's afforded there when we start building cities, right, um, that have you know, 1,000 and 5,000 and 10,000 and 50,000 and 500,000 people, and we have this massive industrial complex, there's a there's a different kind of relationship that's necessary. Mm-hmm. There's a different kind of abstraction that's necessary for these traditional formal. And we see Bronze Age and Axial Age systems of mm-hmm. justification that are emerging in those particular levels. And you have refined people that are then, you know, scholars and we get writing and we get all the capacity to be, your entire life can be spent as a priest learning this particular mm-hmm. thing that then informs anyway, you know all this, but the point of it is, is there's this evolution of complexification of both the technology the justifications and then the blending of the two with the industrial systems um, and then of course that abstraction increases the power of it increases in modernity uh, the critique of it postmodern feels a little different in the sense but nonetheless it's definitely a sensibility in that regard mm. and then to step back and basically be like okay especially for where we are in the West as a quick gestalt of the development of culture and society in a particular place through these phases. <clears> I, I think that's a very, very, I found that to be a very, very powerful and reasonable
1: view. Yeah. And I mean, that was a very eloquent expression of it all. And, and I mean, on the one hand, it's also just like, uh Yeah, sort of obvious when you uh, read the like, you know, uh, Yuval Harari's, you know, Sapiens, for example. I mean, that's essentially it. I mean, Lini talks about it in her work in that way. And I think that's great. I think, um, you know, then I think I think one of the challenges that's that's popped up in the metamodern conversation space is that um, once you start talking in terms of, uh, yeah, like these these big stories of history. And uh, the 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 directionality, let's say, of of humanity, right? Um, you're already in uh, in potentially dangerous ground because people have been telling stories like that that have tended to favor, you know, our group or our race or our religion or whatever. And so those grand narratives were kind of, you know, rightly critiqued by postmodernists for being like, "Whoa, these are you know potentially dangerous and totalitarian," um, or they would say, "Not even potentially, just they inherently are." Um, and, uh, and to be fair, like even in metamodern discourse, it's easy to oversimplify these things and, and, and wind up speaking in kind of easily reified terms. And then you kind of just reenact a lot of the old modernist, um, you know, uh, yeah, kind of imperialistic kind of presuppositions and this infantilization thing. And so it, it's, it's a, it's, it's difficult terrain to navigate especially uh when we're when when we're particularly primed to be very sensitive to all the ways that it could go terribly wrong um and and it does go wrong sometimes and so sometimes you know you'll see someone just referencing oh well metamodernism says that you know people are much smarter now than those you know uh stupid people in the past or something right um and then then you could understand how like people doing cultural studies over here trying to analyze like wes anderson movies are like look we have nothing to do with that um so that's a lot of the dynamic that can that can show up when you're dealing with a discourse this broad um but you know yeah i guess it's sort of like unfortunately uh people will make those oversimplifications and you know the fact that people will uh basically just have certain ham-handed approaches to some very nuanced and sophisticated and complex topics uh doesn't mean that we should just throw that stuff out that it's not important for understanding the role of complexification in human history as an extension of cosmic complexification etc so i think that that both explains uh or at least yeah kind of um, yeah, I'll explain some of the tensions that exist in some of the the strands with each other, um, particularly when again, also one strand is is um, uh, or 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 let's say uh, if you're in academia, right, and you're you're triply sensitive, maybe you know sensitive beyond sensitive to any in implication that there could be anything of anything like that going on, then it just becomes uh, two sides are just not going to speak to each other. But um, you know. Uh, yeah. So I I, I think that um, there is a, a very profound and interesting story to be told uh, in thinking about these cultural shifts through a complexification lens. And I think maybe if, if a, there's a modest um, contribution to the conversation that this book can offer, it's that, you know, okay, if a word like development is too sense, you know, it is too mm-hmm. much, we can talk about recursive reflection. It's just, it's a fairly, you know, neutral way of, of speaking about the way that uh, Cultural times are able to reflect on previous cultural times and kind of iteratively go in different directions based on what they've learned from the past. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't have to lead to, you know, some kind of weird uh, ideology or anything like that. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: and, and we can. And in this. Um, why am I blanking a little bit on the book? I read another book I read cover to cover is the Graver book, like the dawn of. Humanity. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. The yeah, the, uh, the the uh, the dawn of everything.
0: The dawn of everything. Thank you. Um, and you did an excellent series by the, on that, by the way. Um, and I think that's a. So to me, the issue is, yeah, let's enter that conversation, right? Uh, you know, of course, uh, and there is you. You can certainly take a um, a multiplicity of different angles in the fine grained element, uh, and and see, wow, there is a lot of there's a lot of complexity in human development, and a lot of variation, and there's nothing. Of course, no si- simple linear line. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, use the academic qualifications, engage the debate. For me, the gestalt, the the grip of gestalt of utility is clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just don't simplify it and reify it in a particular kind
1: of way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, so I don't know, time wise, just to make sure that we can get to through the philosophy yeah. and the complexity. Maybe I'll just jump into the the philosophy yeah. part. Um, so that that chapter is, I think, pretty much entirely devoted to the work of Jason Ananda Josephson Storm, yeah. uh, Which who is published it I need to get uh, involved in
0: this. This was a this was an eye opening, and I look forward to connecting with him. Sorry, I just yeah, yeah, no, that. it's yeah. great,
1: it's great, and that's again, like that's I, I hope that the book has that effect of like, oh, I knew about this and this, but I'd never heard of this before. So I and so. So yeah, uh, Storm's book is called Metamodernism: uh, The Future of Theory, and uh, what he's trying to do is is very specifically work through a lot of the philosophical and theoretical sort of presuppositions of the postmodern paradigm, mm-hmm. and basically get to the other side of them by applying their own logic to themselves. And in kind of a classic Hegelian dialectical way, you find that by the time you've completed the move, you're dealing with something very different than than what you'd had earlier on. So you actually uh, negate this negation, right? If postmodernism in some ways re- reflects this negation of the modern, it's mm-hmm. anti-modern, it's this negation of it. Well, if you apply that postmodern you know, negation to itself, so to speak, you wind up kind of spiraling back towards this uh, affirmative positive stance. And uh, it becomes a lot clearer what's really going on there. And it's a more complete philosophical gesture. And so you're able to advance uh, the, the conversation and get to a place that's sort of beyond the critique and beyond the cynicism and the, and the sort of mode. Um, and so he is a, he's a, a philosopher and he's an historian and that book in particular is really just a, a kind of uh presentation of a potential new paradigm for approaching some really, uh, important issues that people face, uh, in doing scholarship in the humanities and the social sciences. Um, you know, so that right now it's, it's, it's still, you know, albeit exhaustedly in vogue to write another paper being like, oh, well, what is religion or what is art or, or, you know, what is anything? <laughs> because when you dig into it, you know, everything falls apart essentially. Um, and uh, so what Storm does is take a lot of these critiques very seriously. And then, but he does, he goes to the next step and it's like, okay, so if we see that these things all fall apart in the same way, then that mm-hmm. will tell us how we could rebuild them in a way that we've sort of you know, integrated the insight of, of the, the weakness of this approach. Right. Mm. So, um, there's, I mean, Storm's book is deep and it, there's a lot there and and mm. it's very rich. So it'd be, mm. it's hard to summarize. And, you know, yeah. even in my book, it's, I I, I, I try attempt to, but it's, yeah. I, people should go check it out and read the book for themselves. Cause, um, uh, especially if you are theoretically inclined, philosophically inclined, um, this is, I would say, the kind of propositional content that's sort of yeah. implicit in that sensibility, aesthetic, right. you know, uh, visceral aspect. Um, and so that's why, again, and and to the degree that um, there's a through line here, again, it, it's Storm is very I- explicit that he's inspired by this Hegelian dialectic of, mm-hmm. of, you know, that you advance thought, you self-apply the thing from the past onto itself, and that'll get you a new thing, uh, which is a kind of iterative, recursive move that generates this new transcendent uh, uh, leap. So um, which, yeah, just again, in some is like my whole attempt with the book is just, you know, what's the what's the through line?
0: Totally. I mean, and, and that's like symbolism of the I coin again with the, uh, the I is basically hey, as you multiply it to ultimately it recursively mm-hmm. adds a dimension, but recursively returns also. So it's I negative and negative one and negative I and back to one uh, mm-hmm. in a particular way. So um, there's a symbolism there and I don't know that was my first real introduction. I haven't gone out and gotten the book, but it's on my to read list. Um, and I really look forward mm-hmm. to diving into that perspective uh, because it looked like a, a lot of, Uh, similar but also novel angles uh on this approach uh so that was an area that definitely opened up a window to me that i look forward to filling in and i like what i saw in that regard and um um i I maybe even reach out to him and learn more about what his uh, what he's doing
1: yeah yeah and i mean so and and as uh, that's actually a good segue then to just to get into the meta-narrative part because i'll say um for the Consilience conference uh my paper the reality of meaning uh was it included in explicit synthesis of your work with uh storm's work specifically mm. it related to this uh a semiotics aspect um mm. cuz um you know one of the aspects of postmodern semiotics is that like well language doesn't really mean anything it just kind of never really relates to anything because it all gets deferred into to, to different words and you know and storm is trying to make the argument that no like communication is of you know animals communicate uh animals are part of the world and they they are meaning making uh entities and okay. basically totally coming from an independent direction drawing on you know e- ecological affordances and the kind of uh extended cognition theory of like 4e um developmental theory a, a bit and um and and just like you know Gesturing towards a lot of the recursive relevance realization, um, and, and, uh, and a lot of the, the the stuff that you talk about in your book in terms of, you know, language coming along and adding this tagging feature that, you know, tracks, uh, changes over time and, and sort of maps onto other forms of, um kind of sense making and meaning making that exists uh, further down the stack so that you don't get just language deferring and infinitely meaningless you get language that that relates back to the world so Hilo means world or 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 matter right so it's like it's a it's a language it's a way of talking that is actually meaningful uh, and it's um it's so it's a reclamation i think of in an important way of, mm. of, of language and meaning. Mm. But anyway, yeah. So that was part of my consilience paper. And, uh, I see deep overlaps between, you know, your, you talk framework, uh, you know, it, being in dialogue with, with storm's philosophy, there's just, there's a lot of rich uh, connections there. Um, Lovely. so yeah. Um, but in the meta narrative chapter, uh, which is where your work features very prominently, uh, along with Bobby Azarian's love the parents. Is, uh, yeah is uh yeah it's uh, it's it's then you know cuz you you explicitly deal with the metamodern framework so does bobby and you both kind of situate yourselves in that and again it's this interesting thing where you know it, it, you're in it but you're also about it in some mm-hmm. uh, kind of interesting way right recursively so um mm-hmm. so i just basically look at how this recursive um you know iterative process this uh is 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 a is a kind of meta theoretical process that unfolds in culture and that the whole complexification thing yeah, that you describe uh is part of this sort of things building on themselves and and leading to um you know to higher order hierarchical uh structures that are able to then recursively reflect on themselves and that's where you get things like agency and and whatnot so um yeah so just in brief you know your work and Bobby's work, um, which in other uh books I've written I've I've, I've synthesized as well um just seemed like, It's no accident that these folks are having these theories and relating them to a metamodern paradigm and seeing how this plays out at that level. Um, Bobby talks about cultural worldviews as being sort of a, you know, like a super organism Markov blanket for what what you would call like a justification system for the for the social organism. So. So, yeah, anyway, so just to kind of wrap it all up, you know, the book does kind of proceed from sort of the particular to, right. the, let to me, the grand. Before we
0: get to the final, because then this is a bridge. So let me make sure, a couple yeah. of comments. So Bobby and I. Did our thing completely independently uh, yeah, yeah i know i, I read his book he yep, happened to uh, know about he's a cognitive neuroscientist i don't think it's accidental psychologists and, and they put john in that category as well and you're mm-hmm. um you see the mind science people you know bridging between uh bio down into biology and physics and then up into, and then finding mm-hmm. uh and from a utah perspective this enlightenment gap this inability to see mindedness in the world relative to other you know forms of uh, uh you know uh, in the world um so anyway i and and he bobby's we have slightly different metaphysics that's very seldom, but bobby tracking the evolution of complexification uh in a very very similar way so um and then revitalizing it, romance of reality um so i i both of us i think are giving uh very similar thematic uh narratives, and i throw john in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in that also to give uh, this sort of like New mind science frame for the Mm. whole big picture that also then is going to speak to issues like meaning crisis, mental health crisis, um, Mm -hmm. and provide a new kind of gripping function for our place in relationship to nature, place of mind in relationship to matter, things along those lines. So I appreciate that.
1: yeah. And and the fact that, again, it's not an accident that this issue of meaning is just ubiquitous in all of these frameworks, you know, okay. uh, whether that's a, a semiotic meaning returning, whether that's the kind of, you know, wisdom, the meaning you're talking about, where you go back to the art and you see people, you know, grappling with meaning and, and, and existential, you know, significance and purpose and all these things. Uh, the fact that the 20... 20, was it 2022 blockbuster uh you know uh was uh, was everything everywhere all at once it's this profound grappling with nihilism and meaning it's just uh meaning is is pervasive in the whole conversation I didn't even mention Alexander Dumitrescu's Trescu's work but also similar so um they're just again, it makes sense. After postmodern deconstruction of meaning, you're going to get a reconstructive project that's sort of integrating its insights, but moving to the next step. Um, and I, I also just want to note, too, that I do mention uh, as well John's work in that meta narrative chapter, uh, talk yeah. about meta religion and religion beyond religion, and uh, gesture to some of his work and my work and layman Pascal's work and sort of the stuff we're doing in this domain. So, um, yeah, so trying to move just like you know, across these different levels and tracking the different um, characteristics of this exciting new, uh, uh, you know, cultural paradigm. Um, and yeah, that, I guess that sort of brings that into the the last quick chapter, right. which is like, the, what, is before, what I, is-
0: before we go into the worldview, I also I wanted to make this point because this is when I, when I caught the going meta and the recursion um yeah yeah i, I so the, in the development of utah there really been four major points there was the 1996 point of justification so that's like getting outside in the 1997 the whole map of the tree of knowledge so now i place myself in this recursive map then there's the emergence of the garden uh, which the epicenter is this small me big me metaphysical empirical scientific humanistic gestalt um, which then places you in relationship to that and then ultimately places the unique subject in relationship to that with the I quite coin. So those are the four. And each one of those is an angle on self-recursive awareness. They all have this, mm. of both the knowledge and the knowledge of the knowledge and the place of the knower in relationship to the mm. knowledge. Um, And that's why I'm very drawn. You know, I critique, well, should we use meta? Meta's overused, blah, blah, blah. Like this fucking thing just (laughs) aligns with my experience and the trajectory of this theory I went through in a very, very profound way over and over again. So I just wanted to say – that, hey, when I look back in an honest articulation of what it is that has been transformative, it's putting each one of those can barely clearly be defined as placing the knower in relationship to the known in a very self-conscious mm. way, in a novel way, in a layered way, in a progressive, include, and transcend sort of way. Um yeah. so, uh, and then that no, sets no, up and
1: and to to echo that, I mean, the whole grand gestalt of the Utah thing is this, you know, we are epistemic knowers, agents aware of the the ontic world uh that we are a part of <laughs> you know and that we are an instantiation of so we are necessarily having to reflect on ourselves in order to understand the world and we have to understand the world to understand ourselves so there it is just it's it's um it's that's basically how we
0: send a friend, john and i together frame transcendent naturalism i mean that's how mm-hmm. we framed it right yeah. So, yeah
1: and totally yeah and and i i'll throw out too especially cuz we're talking about meaning and all this recursion stuff um i find it interesting that right there's a version of this recursive move and probably maybe even one people experience as an early form of this that is the hall of mirrors it is the infinite regression it's the void it's the abyss it's sort of mm-hmm. you know it's it's the vertigo of 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 things falling out under your feet and because there's just this exhaustive multiplicity, right? And, and there's this exhaustive sort of layering and confusion of, well, I'm, I'm in the world, but I am the world and I'm experiencing the world. Or, right? And so that can be very disorienting and, and kind of be have a very negative valence to it that it might be experienced as a form of nihilism. Uh, and so I find it fascinating that metamodernism big picture is sort of like taking that idea, but extending it further so that it folds a, again, one more time in a way that 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 hall of mirrors becomes this sort of Empyrean. It becomes this sort of like, wow, it's the it's the it's the portal into a transcendence that is actually the source of meaning and the source of insight and the source of wisdom and knowledge. And um, so that's just a fascinating metaphysical oh. move there.
0: And and yeah. and uh, totally non consciously, but I basically play that out in both episodes, only in going from one direction to the other and the other direction. Let me I'll explain. So when I stumble into justification. Okay, I become self-conscious of that, but it begins to dissipate into, oh, God, we're all just essentially the postmodern problem, although I have a new problem. Mm. I still have this issue. We're all a bunch of fucking justifiers, and what are we actually going to ground ourselves in? But ultimately, it catches with the tree of knowledge that actually says, well, there's a transcendent line into science that then bounces back and situates this. So then the Mm. tree of knowledge provides a particular holding environment dialectically with the deconstructed, justificatory narrative. Then right. I build the garden, which is this whole kind of structure, and then it's like, well, what about the unique individual in relationship to this? What, where does that fit in? Where, where's the individual looking at the mirror now that I have the, sort of the hall of mirror architecture, and mm-hmm. then the coin pops out of that to hold that time. Mm-hmm. So, so in both cases, you have this sort of emerging dimension. Uh, that really actually were the just then kept counterbalanced by the tree of knowledge and ultimately garden counterbalanced by the coin. Both of them have this element that starts and then finds the recursive looping mm-hmm. hole. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so that's, again, where I saw you what you were doing with the way you framed the opening chapter is like, hey, this thing zooms, gives you a potential mirror, but you follow it in the right way. And all of a sudden you're going to get a, a, a picture, a, a dialectical picture of a hole.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't mean to preempt the jump into the last chapter, uh, no, we're r- we're worldview ready, it, but I think, I mean think we're there, you know, because, <laughs> because it, because it, 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 everything we've just been saying, it should be obvious how this is such a, a transformation of the way of looking at the world, uh, compared to if you're still in this sort of postmodern deconstructive mode. Um, and, uh, you know, uh. A film like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once gestures towards this direction. I don't think it fully completes the move, but it does gesture towards the metamodern movement out of the postmodern nihilism and that kind of hall of mirrors and everything. And uh, just everything that we're talking about does reposition the agent in relation to the cosmos in a way that uh, provides new affordances, that's reciprocal opening, that is meaningful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, yeah, my contention or the argument at the end of the book is that, um, you know, what is this thing? What is metamodernism? Well, uh, I call it a worldview, um, because I think it is a very comprehensive, uh, you know, way of, of orienting your thought. Um, and, 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 and I, I use that word more or less, uh, interchangeably with a phrase like justification, justification system, because I think that works very well, um, which is to say, how do we, how do we justify ourselves and our actions in the world? And how do we make meaning and find things relevant and, and, and try to explain ourselves and the world to us, uh, and ourselves to other people, et cetera. Um, that when you're operating with this kind of framework, a lot of clarifications and, and, and new ways of seeing things kind of fall into place that have, uh, that that are the product of a certain kind of working through some ideas, uh, and those things have, a visceral embodied uh kind of aesthetic aspect to them, but they have propositional content. Um, and uh and they have a deep structure to them and how they work that is also the structure of how much of, if not all, of the cosmos itself is sort of unfolding. So uh it's it's for me, it's a it's a way of um kind of framing big picture-wise the whole metamodern discourse in a way that uh that isn't just a paradigm. It's not just a you know a way of analyzing art, it's not just you know this or that. It's it's very it is a gestalt I guess you could say so that's that's what the last chapter tried to, tries to do
0: right and I thought that was yeah and it is more, to me certainly indeed what I'm trying to do with a coin is actually it's more than a justification system we're mm. actually transcend it into a transcendent gestalt that certainly has propositional networks but it is a you know to use a Willberry term we're really looking at a vision logic here.
1: Um, Well, it's a a justification system of justification systems, right? right, I mean, that's a cultural logic of cultural logic. Right,
0: Right. exactly. Uh, And then what I, and then, you know, for me, then certainly from a Utah vantage point, we can actually get quite specific about these sort of complexified coordinates with this whole idea of the fifth joint point, um, Mm. whereby we're basically are like, okay, we are waking up to a particular level of consciousness in between, to use a Zach Steiner, but time between worlds in relationship to the digital globalization or whatever meta crisis problems that we face, whereby the old modern to postmodern structural system is not up to the task of a digital globalization world that puts that kind of tax on Mother Nature in a particular type of way with a game A type of you know engine underneath it that then is like oh no. Right. Um, and if we don't wake up, uh, you know, and we need some sort of psychedelic altered joint point consciousness um, that enables us to kind of reframe in a kind of fun, ironic, oh, God, complex, sincere way, um, our, our way of being in the world and start to rewrite uh, a narrative on top of the narratives that, that have come before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, that kind of, you know, the, the worldview characterization resistance uh, is exactly right. Uh, and, and it, it add a vision logic gestalt way that is trans justificatory uh potentially. That's a kind of sensibility I think we need uh to arise in the wisdom stack and to afford, you know, what kind of organization is going to uh, unfold in a potentially sustainable, healthy way as we move towards, you know, the 21st century and all that it <laughs> poses for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and 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 also, I mean, one thing I guess I would just say is that, you know, talking in terms of worldview is not it's not it's not ideology that's not uh it's nothing specific it's 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 there's a there's a structure to this way of thinking that you know you can be other things and and you might not use the word metamodernism at all it's not uh, there's no attempt here to try to you know make converts to this sort of a thing or to try to subsume any and all things into this thing it's just purely like uh this makes a lot of sense and when you orient from this way um you know you're seeing the world differently and you're probably behaving differently as a result and you're you're interacting differently and you're justifying differently and um and so uh yeah it's a uh, it's a, a, a- It's a way of being that um, I think does not need to be exclusionary in all the other things that it can also uh, uh, encompass as well. So just wanted to throw that out there. That's the
0: sensibility that I get off the term. Uh, You know, it it, it affords a calling, but it's not totalitarian. It labels, but doesn't dictate. Um, Mm. It enables uh, and it enables the kind of uh, coherent integrated consciousness that um, I think this time requires. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, if only somebody could lay it out for us. Oh, wait, somebody did. (laughs) Uh, And I hope that it's appreciated. I love the cultural logic of cultural logic. Uh, And I hope we wake up to the appropriate cultural logic uh, that this time requires. Um, But you've certainly given us a hell of a map to think about uh, and told, uh, I I thought, uh, a very... You know, sort of a surprise, and I don't I mean this with all due respect, but as I said, I sort of came into this thing sort of lightly li- thinking about a summary, and it trans mm-hmm. and I've been you know hanging with Meta Modern, you and Layman and Lanay and Daniel. Um, uh, but this it took it to another level, Brandon. it really did.
1: Thank discussion. you, thank so you I really very appreciate much. I, I, that. I really appreciate that, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, I people are starting to read it, and I'm looking forward to people's feedback and critique, and um, uh, so I, I, I hope that, um, you know, at the very least it can provide a helpful summary of, you know, some of these ideas, cause maybe people have never heard of some of these thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so at least I hope it can be a kind of primer for people. And at most, I hope it can, uh, help convincingly make some connections between all this, uh, uh, big picture. I would love it if, you know, Given that all these strands of the conversation, um, you know, uh, are uh, might be uh, they might tend to be siloed. I'd love it to, to for there to be more cross pollination and uh, and that sort of a thing. So I've been working in various ways to try to bring things together. Um, I've actually so uh, Jason and I, Josephson Storm and I just co- uh, started this journal or co-editors of this right, journal I'm now. I'm glad you mentioned um,
0: that. I want to make sure yeah. we touched on
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. It's called uh Meta Modern Theory and Praxis. Um and so uh, you know, that's so th- that one is kind of like it's open to again kind of cross pollinations for these different metamodernisms. Uh it's 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 kind of uh emphasis or, you know, kind of orienting guiding star or something is people who who want to make use of some of the interesting paradigmatic contributions that that Jason's put out there and the Hilo semiotics and other things. But it's not restricted to that. I mean, people who want to do different things under this umbrella, we invite, you know, those sorts of engagements. And again, what I'd love to see more and more of is putting conversation, uh, more metamodern thinkers together uh, into dialogue. Um, so uh, well, my so, intent
0: is to read that and maybe even submit a paper looking at his work and my work together.
1: Yeah, we'd I'd love that. I think that'd be, that'd be brilliant. And uh, so, yeah, so that's one attempt. Um, and uh, another thing um, is, uh, you know, Sky Meadow Institute, uh, which is kind of, I think, probably more reaching out to a lot of the the integral meta modern community mm-hmm. connections and stuff. Um, and uh, otherwise, you know, trying to have conversations across the different strands. And um, I, I just, yeah, I hope this book uh, uh, works uh, to 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 bring some of these things together. And if it doesn't for some people, that's well, fine too. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you know, all we can do is deserve it. We can't command it. <laughs> and i think you've deserved it here uh thanks, and man. i hope it's been clear uh where what i feel about it and i've uh, deeply appreciated the position of you talk in relationship to it and uh yeah may, may it bloom and grow i think it's the kind of uh cultural sensibility worldview consciousness etc that we need
1: thank you very much i appreciate all that and thanks very much for having this uh uh conversation this is great and and um yeah i feel like we were able to very impressively get through a lot of this content in a in a relatively short period of time so hopefully people were able to track with that and uh and uh yeah check out the book and give it a review and i'd be greatly appreciated but thank you greg and much appreciated absolutely my thank you
0: deeply appreciate it and i look forward
1: to sharing this with everyone thanks so much